What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm Mr. Poon tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? Uh, I'm good. We're recording a little bit later than usual, so I have to get used to leaving it late, just like Arsenal did this weekend. Uh, ready to talk about it. Let's go. Um, I believe I said when I was in the group chat that I wanted to see if we could report the podcast around 7. Because I'm trying to make the same joke that Braden did, but it's not really working for me. Um, look, I'm gonna be blunt with y'all. Uh, I had way too much Jello. Uh, that's that's the best answer I have for what happened this weekend. I had a lot of Jello, and uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, um, I also took a nap at 3:30 in the afternoon on Sunday because I had a very good time, which we will get into in a little bit. Dad, y'all already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> This man wants to make jokes, and he's not even drinking a seven and seven. Uh, the look, the Topa Chico is all I had right now. <laughs> I I didn't want to break out the vodka on a Tuesday like I did on Sunday. All right. Damn, bro. Um, <laughs> before we get into the debauchery of this weekend, Braden, do you want to give a quick rundown on the bets? Uh, yeah, I can go through it real quick here. So, um. Regular full slate uh, this weekend, no cup ties, anything like that. So we had 10 matches, an outlay of 1,000 uh, virtual dollars or pod bucks, as we like to call them. Uh, so looking at the results, um, a little hard done by on this total, with Sapoon getting four of the 10 matches right, returning uh, 677 pod bucks. Uh, Will also had four correct, returning uh, 752 pod bucks. And uh, I was winner this week. Getting uh, five matches correct, uh, picking Wolves against Spurs. Spurs didn't let me down like they do sometimes. Uh, and returning one o- 1,092 pod bucks on, on LA 1,000. So just barely profitable, but anything in the black, we will take it. Indeed. And uh, as Will already mentioned, no other place to start this week other than Anfield. Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil, biggest win for Liverpool in the rivalry, the biggest win uh, in the rivalry itself. Will, going to come to you before I share any thoughts. Um, What a time was had on Sunday. Uh, I And I mean that like from the whole match through. For the first, I'd say, 45 minutes. Actually, yeah, even though we scored. For the first 45 minutes, I just really thought that this was going to end like I thought Liverpool came out and looked bright. I thought United looked like they were going to be able to eventually build a way into this game and take some control of it. I thought Liverpool were going to give them hell for it, and I thought we were going to end, hopefully, with a 2-2 draw. Um, And then uh, Jesus came back from heaven, and I blacked out there for a second, and everything happened. Uh, To be honest, after the first two goals, I still thought Manchester United had a chance. I don't necessarily know when the wheels came off, uh, for Manchester United, the wheels came off for me after goal number three because, again, jello shots. Don't ask. Um, I don't even really know what to say. Like, it's a great Liverpool performance. You Like, at, at times, we looked silky in the at, up front. At times, we looked like the team of old. At Like, Fabinho's back there winning back balls and, like, ner- knowing how to play football again. We looked a competent side. But I don't know how competent we looked because, like, Manchester United went from being like, oh, man, we might have something in this to, oh, no, they've scored against us. Maybe we can rally to, I can't even say Chelsea-esque now because of today. But, like, up until that point, a Chelsea-esque, like, wheels falling off where, like, it went from zero to clown car in 10 seconds. 
I don't even know if that's a thing that's going to happen again for Manchester United. I kind of think this is just a weird one-off fucking thing. I think Liverpool can kick on from this and make a challenge for the top four because there's other teams I'll talk about who are shittier than we were. Um, But I also, like, I don't like saying a bad day at the office for Manchester United because, like, shit went real bad, real bad. But, like, I I don't know what to think of Manchester United. Like, that feels like a one-off. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say. I know that I think Liverpool is going to be able to kick on from this. And this is probably going to be a, a corner turner, if you will. Uh, and honestly, the team, I'm not going to say back to the heights that they were, but at least going forward, they look like they have some idea of what they want to be. And at least the midfield for right now understands that they are makeshift, but knows that they have to do this job to get them to where they want to be, to where they don't have to be makeshift anymore. I also just want to give a shout out to the optimal backline because when it's Kanate and Van Dyke and Andy and Trent back there, I it makes everybody in front of them far more comfortable. And you could tell that just from the onset of the match. Also, Trent gets to look like he actually is a competent defender because homeboy was kind of where he needed to be for the first time ever throughout most of this match. Andy Roberts is everywhere. Harvey Elliott is my boy crush. Allison's a hero. Cough is my dad. I'm having a great time. And sorry, Manchester United. Things will be better. Except for Bruno Fernandez. God, dude's a bitch. To me, this is a trademark fuck you win. Like, this is a a game where, like, Liverpool was just like, we're going to exercise all the demons and just, like, really go out there. And I don't want to say, like, no one... Like, it's it's cliche to be like, no one gave them a chance. I, I don't think it's that at all for Liverpool. But I think the narrative of this Liverpool team this season has just been a team that is in disarray and doesn't know, like, what they're doing. And, and it's just, like, is Klopp going to leave or get fired? And, and like, is all these things because some things haven't worked out. And I think what we've talked about several times is this Liverpool team have mostly just not finished. Like, like there's some defensive issues at times, but sure, like, Fabinho hasn't looked great, but it's mostly come down to they've gotten into good positions and haven't finished, and, well, they finished this game. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of like cashing in all of the XG chips, uh, like, in one go, um, and then just, like, lots of weird things happening. Like, both of Salah's goals, you look at it and you're just like, I don't... Like, I can't explain the sequence of events that happened. And it's just, like, the ball pops in front of us a lot. And, like, thank you very much. Like, uh, I'll score those goals. Like, I, it, it just is a game where everything went right for Liverpool. And then United had their own issues, I think, with it. And I think a lot of this is just you have a team that's played so many high-stakes matches here recently. So it's the match against Barcelona. It's the League Cup. It's I, I forget who else they had, but um, then it's uh, like this one. And I think in some ways it's like not that you have emptied the tank per se, but like it's a lot to go back to back to back like that in, in really big emotional matches. And like especially when you've had to play more than your opponents. And it's like you come in. Whether it's mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, you come into Anfield. Anfield's probably the worst place to to not be fully mentally prepared against a Liverpool team that's clicking. And Liverpool were clicking uh, that Sunday. And I, I think that made a lot of the difference is when 
United got. I think you're right to say a third goal. Like I, I really do think that like with the third goal, it felt like it wasn't just like this was a game that both teams were in it. It felt like that was a turning point and like it could get ugly and and it did. And I just think that if if like United could have played this game in like two or three weeks where like they played some lower stakes matches and, and kind of got to a little bit more of a regular schedule. I, I think maybe they would have pulled this out, but it's just, it, it's not, well, I don't want to say pull it out. Like it might not have been this ugly, uh, but that's not how it happened. And Liverpool took their chances. Yeah. I mean, if there's one keeper who's going to make sure you cash in on all your missed XG, David De Gea is at your service. And you know, if people people don't need to blame him for the goals, but if you face eight shots on target and concede seven goals, like I, the only thing I was happy about in that second half is that Harry Maguire was not out there because he might have gotten murdered on the way back to Manchester from Liverpool that day. So other than that, I mean, it, it, it was a freak result. I think Jurgen Klopp said so as well. It was just one of those situations everything just fell apart and Braden said it pretty well that mental exhaustion really takes over um physical exhaustion uh 10 15 minutes in i saw uh, casemiro pull up and then just did not move the same the rest of the game and i think for united fans more so than the seven though like that is going to be a big point of contention moving forward and ultimately the Seven nil is not a clear reflection, but there is still a huge gap between United and the top top of English football at the very least. And I think for you, currently the top of English football also seems more or less like the top of um, European football. And Liverpool on their day can absolutely light teams up. They did that to us. And on a day, as Braden said, when you don't have everything going for you, it just sucks. And I think this is where United's a team in building, where Jurgen Klopp's been there seven years at this point, I believe. And then you'd look onto the other side about United, like Ten Hag's not even here for a full year. So I think a lot of, you know, learning for United. And I think reports came out like they're going to talk, like we lost 4-0 to Brentford. We lost 6-3 to City. And if you think about it, in three games, we have conceded 17 goals in just those three games. So, three away games, 17 goals, almost accounts for 50% of the goals Man United's conceded this league year. So, kind of wild um, in terms of how bad our away form is. But you know what? I think overall, when you're building a team, these are results that happen. And um, kudos to Arsenal. The one additional thing, a couple of additional things I do want to say are, if you're a Manchester United fan listening to this, listen close. If you have been out there, shitting on Bruno Fernandez. I really need you to take out all your Manchester United jerseys, put them together, put some fucking oil on top of it and burn them and then go buy a fucking Man City or Liverpool jersey because you're not a Manchester United fan. And as far as reaction goes, we lost 4-0 to Brentford, went on a four-game winning streak, beating Liverpool and Arsenal. We lost 6-3 to um, Manchester City and went on a seven-game winning streak and then drew two games until the defeat at Villa Park. So for all United fans who have not burned their jerseys, the only thing I have to say is this is a excerpt from uh, Andy Mitten, who's a real Man United fan on Twitter, if you want to follow him, on his article where he said, 
this is the business end of the season. And unlike last season, United have business to tend to. Sunday was a knockdown, but better get up and roll with those punches. It's better than not being in the ring at all. And that is what is most important for United at this point. You have Real Betis coming up. You have Southampton coming up after that. The one good part about having so many fixtures is when you do get beat down, there is a very, very quick, quick way, a quick turnaround to make sure you can go out and react. So all the talk, I was very glad that there weren't that many essays. The only person with an essay was David De Gea, which he has drafts of them, I'm sure, at this point. Because, you know, United, most of United's heaviest defeats in the Premier League era have come under him. So, going to put that out there. And the only other thing I want to end this on is, if you are not going to blame the goalkeeper for conceding goals, do not consider clean sheets a goalkeeping stat. It's just like court wins are not a quarterback stat. Just remember that. Moving forward, the game where we all picked Arsenal and a game that was never in doubt... For Never. Arsenal to in, to Arsenal to win, Arsenal yeah, three born with two. Uh, I watched the entire game and quite honestly, I'm very mad that I missed when Arsenal were down two nil because I put money on Arsenal when they were down one nil. I put my entire betting account when they were down two one that they are going to win. And funnily enough, before we go deep into this game, I made so much money in that Liverpool Man United game. Because I had a parlay of Gakpo, Salah, Nunes, Rashford, and Anthony all to have a shot on goal. Bet on Liverpool to win games. Bet on Liverpool, draw no bet. I bet on Salah, Nunes, and Gakpo to score goals. So literally never in my life has it happened where everything I bet on in a game happened. And it just so didn't happen for that. And the same thing happened in that Arsenal game. I wish, I wish I could have bet on a Reese Nelson winner because in terms of the aura of winning a title, there are moments that define a season, that define. And maybe this turns out to be that, maybe it doesn't, we will see come May. But if it does happen, this goal in the dying minutes at Emirates with the whole stadium going absolutely mental felt like a title winning moment. Brayton, gonna come to you first. Yeah, I, I mean, you outlined that pretty well there. Like, it, it, this is, I, there haven't been as many great moments at the Emirates as we kind of would have liked since we moved from Highbury. Like, a few come to mind. So there's our Chauvin against Barcelona. Like, that's obviously a big one. Um, there's Welbeck, which ha- this has a little bit of shades of it. It's like Welbeck scoring against Leicester. Um, in in the dying minutes in in that season, like it, it, that was a huge moment at Emirates. This one just like it's bigger than those. Like in in like Bournemouth isn't Barcelona and whatever, but like the, there's just so much to unpack from this. Just like the absolute collapse at the beginning, like nine seconds in, you go down from like this. Like, well worked from from Bournemouth for the uh, for like the opening kickoff routine and all that and like go down. Then you you know you you have to then not really throw out the game plan because I don't think Arsenal ever did that. I don't think Arsenal ever got full desperation mode and just like started chucking in crosses or anything like that. Like I think Arsenal executed their game plan, but 
once you go down one nil in in like the first minute, you kind of have to accelerate this. Like we're gonna play. Like we now have to go all out from like right now. Like there's no time to wait. And Arsenal kind of like started doing that. They dominated the game. weren't able to like break through. And then kind of on Bournemouth's next like well no I shouldn't say their next real chance because like Ramsdale made a, a blinding save in there. Um. But, like, Bournemouth kind of gets their corner against the run of play, and you're down 2-0. And it's one of those, like, you don't really feel out of it because you're on top in the game, but you're just, like, you need something to to just break your way. And the subs worked. Like, Trossard went off, Emil Smith-Rowe comes on, heads to party for the first goal. Obviously, Nelson gets the assist, and then, you know, it just sets up for the last kick of the game where it's just... I don't fully have the words for a guy who's played 85 minutes in total this season to be able to get a ball deflected out, chest it onto his weak foot, and then just absolutely belt it into the side net. Like, and, and if you watch the celebrations that happen, which it, it, like there's a lot of favorite parts in this to break down. One is Saliba just runs to the corner flag, assuming, assuming that people are going to go there, and he's just like by himself, which is by itself very funny. But like Reese Nelson also like scores a goal, and it's just like the coolest guy in the stadium. Like everyone else around him is going nuts, and he's doing the like calm down <laughs> type type thing, and it's. That's also very funny. And then, like, you look at the bench cam, and, like, Arteta is going wild, celebrating, goes and, like, high-fives a seven-year-old or something, and, like, he gives a high-five, and then he looks, and he's like, wait, this child should not be here. <laughs> like, why is this child on the pitch? Like, we need to get him back to his parents like, right away. It's just, like, there's so many great moments from it. And it's like, this, this is why you're a fan. This is why you watch the game for these moments. Like, just 100%. That's all it is. All the motion, like, NBA tank right here. Like, we'll have to play more games in the league, all that sort of thing. But, like, you can't take away, like, this. And, and, like, if you're an Arsenal fan, like, you know, you can feel however you want about however the season goes. Like, whether we win the title or not. But, like, I'm just trying to enjoy it for right now because this isn't where we're expected to be. But we're here now. So, like, just have fun with it. And, and that's where I am. Uh <laughs> So I woke up on Saturday morning and we went out Friday night and we'd had drinks. So I needed something to recoup me and actively said to myself as I was in Kroger, yo, let me get some prime. And halfway through this match, I saw the ad pop up and I'm like, this can't be related and took a sip. I'm going to be walking advert right now. That shit was great. And about the second after I opened it, shit started to turn around. First off, I think KSI has magic demons inside that drink, and that's fine. Aside from the shameless shill that I am right now, if that is the moment that I remember the most from the Emirates in the entire time that statement's been open, then that'll be one of the coolest things I'll ever remember. I have never seen that place look like that. And I don't, like, I've seen Arsenal fans go nuts because I've seen that same highlight of getting our asses kicked in 89 over and over and over again in perpetuity. But that's the most rollicking scene I've seen in that place ever. And I don't I don't know how to explain what I felt, but it was there are preordained moments in sports where you see the team who's gonna do the thing do the mini thing and you're like, ah shit. Yeah, it's about to happen. It's you know, 
it's the 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 secretary taking the lead the beginning of the Belmont. You're like, oh shit, something's about to happen. It's the, you know, Mike Tyson's already taken a bite someone's ear, so he's gonna do it again. It's the you know something stupid is about to happen going forward because something stupid has already happened. And that is what this was. They go 2-0 down to a team who's going to get relegated and their ass is stomped later on this week. Spoiler alert for my pick. They don't look like they're stressed about it at all. They turn it around. They uh, Everything felt real serendipitous, and I'm not an Arsenal fan, but that shit kind of freaked me out. It's the prime ordering. It's the fact that Reese Nelson was injured in the KSI video I watched the night before and then came on to score the game winner. I feel like I've cursed myself and made Arsenal win this title now, and I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, if y'all win... I'm here for I, it. Thank you for your service. I'd, li- I'd like some money or, like, a free case of Prime uh, or uh, to reverse all those goals that Andre Arsenal scored against Liverpool. The only other time I saw the Emirates Rocket like that when he scored four... That was at against... Anfield. That was at Anfield? Yeah, yeah. Did he do it yeah. twice? I remember him scoring four again. No, he didn't score four again. Like, he... No. I mean, he scored against you at Emirates, too, but, like, the four is definitely at Anfield. God, I can't. Don't do drugs, kids. Uh, good times for Arsenal. Just, the Gooner party keeps on rolling. The Gooner bus, that's what I meant. Whatever. I'm... They indeed seem to keep on rolling, and uh, we will see how they do this weekend. Europa League's back for them as well. But before we get into the games, Braden, do you want to give us a quick rundown on how we're going to preview? Yep. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, each of the games. we got uh, 10 games full slate coming up. Uh, we're going to look at specifically the three-way money line. So uh, we're going to look at a home win, a way win, or a draw are the three possible results. Uh, we're going to put 100 units. Uh, we call them pod bucks around here. Virtual dollars. We're, we're not spending real money. Wink, wink. Um, and... Um, we'll tally it up next week and see how we all did. Indeed. Unlike uh, most sports presenters out there on Sky Sports, we like to hold ourselves accountable when we give out our predictions. Um, but the first game, starting off, Bournemouth plus 550, taking on Liverpool at minus 230, draws at plus 390, over and does at three. I am going to go ahead and take Liverpool in this game. Will, going to come to you next. I know Bournemouth put on a performance against Arsenal that they can probably take something from, but they ain't taking shit from that, bro. I don't give a goal shit how many goals you score against the eventual champions. You saw what we just did? You see how we feeling? You know where you're going? Back down, baby. I'm picking Liverpool, and I'm being cocky as shit about it. Apologies to Reggie. Again, I'm so sorry about Bournemouth, but we about to beat that ass. I'm going to get chopped up, damn it. I'm pretty much with you. Like, I... I don't think Liverpool can do that. And maybe this is a letdown game and, and maybe, and maybe this is, we'll look at this next week and be like, this is an obvious letdown spot after Liverpool just did that. But I think Liverpool are going to carry this momentum. And I think they're building something to, cause they're like, they're coming for the champions league. I think like, I think they are building to like really give Madrid a go. And I, I think they're pretty focused on get like, on seeing that through. And I don't think you get there if you like drop points against Bournemouth. So I'm taking Liverpool. Um, again, maybe we'll look at this in a week and be like, this is a classic letdown spot. Nah, I, I doubt we look back at that 
moving on, Everton at plus 165, taking on Brentford at plus 175, draws at plus 225, over-unders at two. This seems to be a wild line. Brain, are you taking Sean Dyche and the boys? I, I think I am, actually. Like I think this is a Brentford team that don't play as well uh, away from home as they do uh, you know, at Brentford. Uh, we saw them play a, a really entertaining match against Fulham uh, earlier this week. I, I think that Everton are starting to play better under Sean Dyche. I think that they are... They're they're not a better team overall than Brentford, but I think at Goodison, I think that they will probably get this one done. I I like the over two in this as well. Like I just think that there's a lot to say about uh, as much as you want to say about like how defensive Sean Dyche's teams are. Like I think they do get in positions to score a couple goals, and I I do think especially if Tony plays, I I still think this. Uh, Brentford team will have a little bit of firepower as well. So I really like the over two in this one as well. Uh, I too will smash the over uh, as will Ivan Tony when he has the William Hill in a little bit. Uh, I, I understand exactly what you said. I do feel like this Everton team specifically, even though we talk about Sean Dyche wanting to be super compact and defensive and yada, yada, yada. Like I said earlier, I think he has a little bit shinier toys to play with going forward. So if they can keep the shape he wants, there's a little bit more leeway for them to kind of go and attack and be a little bit more fruitful. But I also think that Brentford have something to fucking play for because if you look closely with that win, I was going to say today, like today, you don't know. You don't need to know what day this is recorded. Don't worry about it. If you look at what happens after Brentford wins that match, they're a step closer to qualifying for Europe, kind of, sort of, maybe. And I kind of think that that's going to have the boys turned up. I think, honestly, there will be better days for Everton and they will get their wins to maybe stave off fucking relegation. But I think Brentford have a tidbit more to play for here. I think they come out swinging. I think I'd take Brentford to go ahead and put a hammer down and say that they can do it on the road because they want to go to Europe. And you know what? I might be thinking they going to make it. I didn't make it in the fucking Europe, but I'm going to take the draw here. <laughs> I mean, just look at the table and look at the games Brighton's played. Um, moving on, Leeds at plus 265, taking on Brighton at even odds. Draws at plus 265, over-unders at two and a half. Will, do you think Leeds get a move on here? First part of what I said leads into this part of what I said, because I think that Leeds is an improved team, and I think that Brighton have to have some sort of letdown spot. Why not have be here against the Leeds team? Well, also, even though I said something completely contrarian earlier about them, I think they might be a, I think they might be able to make it, and that might just be the Homer U.S. dude in me, but... I kind of think I want to take Leeds here. At some point, this Leeds team is going to prove that they deserve to be here. Why not against a Brighton team who they're going to feel like is a tidbit above their station right now? Brighton got to come back to earth because I want them to because they kind of fucked up my season so far. Fucking picking Leeds, I guess. Yeah, I'm not going there. Like I, I think this Brighton squad are... A, a good bit better at this lead squad. And I, I just like, I haven't really been that pressed impressed with Leeds since they sacked Marsh and, and not saying that like they shouldn't have, I, I don't want to relitigate that. We've talked about it before. Um, I, I just think that I haven't seen anything that I look at and say like, Oh, here's what the new manager is doing. Like 
you look at Everton and Sean Dyche and you're like, oh, this is what he is doing that is different from Frank Lampard. Like you see it immediately. You saw it in the first game that he managed. And I just don't really see that with Leeds. Uh, so I, I don't really know how much of a difference that's going to make. Uh, Brighton are a team. I think they've gotten a little unlucky. Like when you look at their advanced metrics with XG and actually allowed, like I think they've gotten a little bit unlucky and I think that they should get this result. So even at even odds, <laughs> I'm going to take Brighton. Uh, I am going to go with Leeds as well in this game. I think they need to uh, get a move on here. Otherwise, the move that they're going to make is not going to be the one their supporters like. Moving on, Leicester at plus 270, taking on Chelsea at even odds, draws plus 260, over-unders at two and a half. They got through in the Champions League. We'll see who they face next. Braden, do you think it carries over into the Premier League? I don't. I think that the Champions League is a chance to reset and refocus for a Chelsea team that has not had a lot of focus. Like I think you're going to get back to this and, you know, you go and, like, you're in a competition for essentially club football's biggest trophy. And like, now you go back and you're 10th in the Premier League again. And, and like, I think for most of these guys, they just want the season to be over with, get in, get on to next year and, and, and kind of see how it goes. Leicester, I think have a good bit more to fight for. I think they haven't been great the past couple weeks, but I think they've been better than the results that they've gotten to show. Um, so I'm going to take a draw here. I just don't think you see the same Chelsea because Chelsea were great against Dortmund today. Like I thought they were very, very good and not just like, Oh, this is better. Like I thought they were legitimately a very good team against Dortmund today, but I, I don't know that that automatically carries over into the league. I feel like the last couple of weeks I've been like, lol Chelsea. And I feel like I've been spamming that button real hard. But if I can be weirdly superstitious, having seen what I saw on the weekend from my team and having seen what I saw today from Chelsea, the result that directly led into that Manchester United victory was the win at Wolves was just 2-0 in which it seemed like, you know, yeah, the other team kind of hassled us a little bit. But at the end of the day, got the job done. Now, one, those are two completely different. Wolves and Dortmund are two completely different things. But also, Dortmund is completely different than Wolves. And if you go in front of your home fans and you can galvanize yourself like that with a victory against a very, very good Dortmund team, even though the results may not show. Uh, well, they do. It's fine. Regardless, I think the same thing can happen here. To the extent of what happened... Probably not because Chelsea's still some hot butt trash. They need to figure some stuff out. But to cycle back to the depression from earlier, they're back outside and they can talk to people normally. There's still some weirdness when they don't want to get off the couch, but it should be fine now. I'm picking Chelsea and I feel like they win this comfortably. I might even go ahead and smash that over. Damn, I don't know about the over, but I'm going to go with the draw as well. I think... Um... Though I, I, I do think there's a very good chance Chelsea can continue a little bit, but um, given how much Potter likes to chop and change, I doubt that is going to happen. Moving on, Spurs at minus 225 at home against Nottingham Forest at plus 600, draws at plus 360, over-unders at 
we're recording this on a Tuesday, so we don't know what happens with Spurs in their Champions League game. But I feel like this game stakes could just keep getting higher as the days come closer, depending on that result. Will, do you think Spurs do the job? I don't think what happens in the Champions League matters because I don't, but like, no matter the result, I'm foreseeing this as a low Spurs moment. They can go out and they can look fantastic and fall flat on their face against a Forest team who kind of has maybe improving its results. Or they can lose and then lose again. I'm going with the, just the double loss. I'm taking Forest because I just, <laughs> something feels, ser- you know what? I'm picking Forest because I want Liverpool to finish in the top four and I'm an asshole. And I don't even care. This Spurs team is going to fall apart and hopefully I get to enjoy it. And if I don't, I don't even care because I kind of enjoy them falling apart this weekend. So, yeah, I'm picking Forrest because I'm a piece of shit and I don't even care. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. Like, I, I think that it, it, if you want to bet with your heart, like, go ahead. I, I won't stop you. Um, but, I, look, I, this Forrest team is fraudulent. Like, if you look at their advanced metrics, like, they are dead last in the league and expected points since, like, mid-January or so. Like, they're just... Uh, they have gotten results that they really should not <laughs> be getting, which uh, fair enough. Like you can take one look at that and say like, that is a mark of a team that's going to continue or get results and, and scrape by. I, I don't see it with force. I like, I'll, I'll be honest. I think uh, Spurs aren't in great form right now. Like, I think that's fair enough. Like th- there's definitely a chance to, to, to not see this one through. Cause I, I think the Spurs in general just haven't been great against some of the like lower league uh, or not lower league, like teams lower in the table than them uh, this year. So I, I'm going to take Spurs. I, I think that it's potentially a trip up spot. Maybe you shouldn't take them at minus two twenty five in that, but I just don't think this forest team are as good as the results have shown uh, the last month or so. Yeah, that is fair enough. I'm going to go with Spurs as well. I think at home they have to beat a team that is more or less considered still in the relegation battle. Moving on, Crystal Palace at plus 750, taking on Manchester City at minus 300, draws at plus 420, over-unders at 2.5. I'm going to go ahead and take the draw in this game, primarily just because I don't think City play Crystal Palace very well. Brayden, come to you next. Yeah, look, I just don't think that this Palace team are playing well right now. Like, I, I think that they have some things to sort out Um, uh, just with the squad overall. I don't think they're playing well just right now. And and you're right, like, they have played City very well, especially last year. Like, uh, there were um some stats about, like, teams that have played uh, the most passes uh, in, like, City's like four or third and something like that. And, and it was like palace was, was like the one outlier of teams that had really gone and been able to take it to city a little bit. Um, I, but I don't see it right now. They're just not playing that well. I'm going to take man city. Um, minus 300 feels pretty risky on that. Like I, I, I will say that the city team is not the juggernaut that they've been, in previous seasons. Like I, I don't think that they go and dominate these games like they have before, 
but I think they'll probably get it over the line against the city team that I don't think is that great. But hey, Vieira helping his old team out, like, let's go for it. I, I'm here for it if it happens. That dawned on me halfway through you talking. I was like, oh my God, what if Patrick Fair? She was just like, now's the time. Uh, I tend to make a catering joke here about Palace because I always do, but I kind of tend to agree with Braden here. I don't think they're playing up to snuff right now, and I think this is a Manchester City team. They're not going to sweep them away, so I could be I could be talked into the draw, but I, it just feels a City win this. I, Palace are going to... I want to see what they sort themselves out to be, but it's going to take some time, and I think that this City team... Still have a point to prove, yada, 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 sky blue bullshit. I'm going to go ahead and take Man City here. It feels a safer bet than the draw. Fair enough. Um, moving on, Fulham at plus 440, taking on Arsenal at minus 170. Draws at plus 320, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, do you think Arsenal continue their run here? Yeah, I think they're helped a, a little bit by Fulham having the late game uh, in you Arsenal always have to play midweek and Thursday. Uh, so I, I think that maybe getting a team that played this past Monday as opposed to, um, you know, a, a Saturday match may be helpful just with that little bit of extra uh, or, or less rest for Fulham. Um, I I got to think Arsenal are going to go and, and continue this right now because I you just have to. <laughs> like, like, if you're Arsenal, like, you just... You you got to keep going out and, and getting these results. So I, it will be a tough match. Like I do think that you know Fulham got Mitrovic back, and that makes a big difference in this Fulham squad. But I I think that Arsenal will be professional and see this one out. London Derby, London Derby, woo! Um, I can. We're gonna see what this Fulham team is made of. Because if this Fulham team wants to reach the heights that they're aspiring to currently, then they should come out a little bit angry and they should kind of want to take it to Arsenal, specifically because <laughs> London Derby. Um, but Arsenal are just coming off the moment that described by me earlier and barely even words as something transcendent that could lead them to the title. These are two teams who are going to come out and kind of smack each other around, but Arsenal look destined for some, they look destined for something that you write a book about that gets turned into a movie about the Red Sox again. So before Jimmy Fallon comes here to ruin this, I'm going to go ahead and pick Arsenal. Fair enough. I'm going to go with Arsenal as well. Very interested though to see how they shuffle up their squad, uh, given that sporting should be a good game for them as well. Uh, moving on, Manchester United at home, surprisingly, at minus 275, taking on Southampton at plus 700. Uh, draw is at plus 420, over-unders at three. Will, do you think United lose 7-0 again? Uh, one can only hope. Uh, I don't push that upon anybody again, except for, like, football. Um, I, you know what? Manchester United is going to win this match. There's no way that they don't come out very angry and I know that this Southampton team might be improving pretty quickly and have come off a pretty decent result but nah man I could be arsed into the draw because 420 every day bro but no this seems a United win I think 
I think with all the slings and arrows that have been thrown at them this week by various people from just all around Manchester and football media, they're going to get insular, they're going to get weird, and they're going to be pissed as shit when they hit that pitch. And you don't ever want to meet up with someone who's pissed and insular and weird. Trust me, that's what they called me in college. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I'm not exactly sure how I'll follow that but, uh, up, but okay. Um, I, I mostly agree with you. I think that as you kind of mentioned before, Sapoon, United have bounced back from previous not great defeats uh, this season. I, I think you probably see that again. And and that's helped by a Southampton team that I, I don't think is that good right now. Um, I I think this is going to be Manchester United. You know, I don't know. Put a dollar on a 9 nil. see what happens. Will be fascinating. Um, I am going to go with... A draw in this game. I think uh, Casemiro's injury is is rather uh, actually very um, serious topic of conversation. I think uh, the United fans will need to have, and especially if he is out for this game, I think the quick turnaround between Thursday and Sunday is going to be problematic. And I, I think this is where we'll see if the aggression can actually be put to good use because the last few times we have lost big we have had a big game this is southampton this is at home this is a, t- a uh, opponent you're supposed to dominate so it'll be very fascinating to see how united try to break this down because again rashford hasn't scored for a couple games um you've still got um you know all the question marks around anthony and all of that so i think we'll it should be a comfortable win, but given the odds at plus 420, a draw is just too enticing for me. Moving on, West Ham at plus 120, taking on Aston Villa at plus 230, draws at plus 240, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, how do you see this game go, sir? I see Villa as a pretty disciplined team that go out and, and do a professional job these days. Like I know that there's a slip-up against Arsenal um, hilariously, but I, I just... I, I think that they're in a much better place than West Ham are. And I understand that West Ham are at home. They're plus favorite. Those are things we generally like around here. But I, I think Villa are a better team right now. Uh, I'm going to take Villa at plus 230. I, I this, this line really surprises me. And, and to be fair to the listeners, when lines really surprise me, usually the lines are correct. And Braden is the dumbass. But, like, I... <laughs> I, I just see Villa winning this game. I This line does flatter West Ham, and I I don't know if it's... I want to take Villa, but I kind of feel like Villa, even though they are well-drilled as a team, I feel like they kind of backdoored their way into their last victory, and I don't know if I trust it. I'm not even going to finish that joke. I don't know if I trust the way they won that last match. I can trust in one particular person who won't celebrate if he scores against his old team. And for that reason and that reason only, I'm going to pick whole boy Ings West Ham to win this match. I'm going to follow the bookies. I do think that this West Ham team will have to start firing to be able to get to the places that they want to go winning the trophy whose name I make fun of, but I actually can't remember right now the conference league. They want to reach those heights. They need to start clicking. They have a team to do it, and they have a team to go out and win that tournament, man. 
Now's the time to prove it against a well-drilled Villa team who's just as well-drilled as all the other teams they can face in that competition, such as find a team from Denmark. This dude is talking about West Ham winning tournaments. It, it, like They just need to make sure in the Premier League next year. Hey, man, work for Wigan. Also, Watkins was always better than Ings. He'll show it again. My heart! <laughs> I'm going to take Villa as well. I, I, I think the line is kind of wild here, plus 230, unless there are injury reports I am unaware of. Moving on, final game of the weekend, Newcastle at plus 150, taking on Wolves at plus 420, draws at plus 290, over-unders at two. Newcastle's kind of gone on a slump here recently, especially it didn't help losing the cup final either. Uh, do you think this is a good bounce-back spot, Brain? Yeah, I do. I, I think this is a good spot for them to to come back a little bit. I think Wolves have had some good results uh, in maybe... I, obviously, when you're fighting relegation, you're not going to ever take a match off, um, but I think they have pulled a little bit clear of some of the other teams uh, down there in the relegation fight, and I think that they may really put a focus on other matches that will separate them from that pack a little bit more. I think this is a good chance for Newcastle to kind of just rally around themselves again and, and just go out and put in a better performance and, and get a result here. I, I do think that playing City at Etihad is always going to be difficult. Playing United at Cup Final also going to be very difficult. Like I, I think this is a team that... Newcastle can maybe work out some frustrations on. I like the over in this game. I know like Wolves don't score a ton and Newcastle also at times can be a little bit stingy, but I just, I, I see at least two goals being scored in this game. I, I kind of see Newcastle, like I said, potentially working out some frustrations and putting one on Wolves here. Uh, I, this Wolves team feels like they're, they're one win away from feeling like they're going to be okay. And I feel like this could be the one for them. So I feel like they may come in more amped up than we might be giving them credit for. But I think this Newcastle team, if we, like, I don't know why I keep, this is the phrase I keep using. If they want to reach the heights that we think they're going to reach, this is one of those times you have to come all pissed off and put one down on somebody. And this Wolves team is ripe for the picking because they, maybe they feel like they're okay. Maybe they feel like they can walk into catering. I don't know. I don't. I haven't really known who this Wolves team is most of the season because I expected them to be a tidbit better than they were last season, and they've kind of taken too many steps back. So Newcastle looked like the superior team here. Maybe not completely, but if they're going to be the team who they're going to be, if they're going to be the oil darlings of uh, Europe, then, you know, you got to beat Wolves on a – I don't even know what day this match is happening, but you got to be Wolves in one of those situations where, like, your backs are up against the wall, your fans are angry. Whatever, whatever, I was picking Newcastle. You knew this was coming. I'm picking Newcastle over Wolves. Uh, but honestly, I might take the under. They may just sneak away with one. I will be surprised if uh, Wolves come out of a win here, but I'm going to take Newcastle. I think should be a good, good spot for them. But that is it from us th- for this week. We have some midweek games next next week and then a full slate of weekend games as well. A lot of Champions League deciders still to happen. Same with Europa League. We will see you next week, hopefully, without United losing 7-0. Cello shots on me!